preparation. You know, notice in painting, preparation's everything. When you're doing a paint job, preparation's everything. I hate the preparation bit. I don't mind putting the paint on. I love that bit. But I hate the preparation bit when it's all hard work, sanding down, sanding down, filling in the gaps. Man, I remember we had our house in Dannyburg painted one time. And I got this painter to come around, paint the house. Finally saved up enough money. It was a huge house. Finally saved enough money to get the thing painted. Well, so he started. That was an old wooden house. It was a beautiful house. It was huge and two lounges, everything like that. It was a great house. And so, you know, he got into it. So away he goes. He starts up one side of the house, starts to go along. He says, hey, he said, hey, Pastor Mike, there's, there's a bit of a problem here. We've got a bit of rot in this wood here. So that's okay. We'll just whip that plank out. We'll just replace it. So we did that, see. But we kept going. He kept finding the stuff. And I thought the house was great. I thought the house was all ready to be painted. But as he went along and he was skimming off the paint, getting the preparation done, he started to find stuff. And then he got around the other side. We had this huge bay window, monster bay window. And, uh, and he said, I'm, I'm sorry, Pastor Mike, but all, all of, the, all of the, uh, the, the shelf right at the bottom there, he said, all the windows, it's all rotten. The whole window's got to be redone. I thought... Oh, I haven't got any money. I rang up, got a quote, and it was going to cost so much. There's no way he's going to be able to do it. And I thought, oh, no, we're done. What will I do? Prayed, Lord, you've got to help me. He said, you get in it and do it yourself. You do the preparation. Oh, yeah, 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 So I looked at that huge bay window, and then we began on it. And bit by bit, we pulled the whole window apart. Had the whole thing out. I got every bit out. I found out how bay windows are put together. I got everything off the outside of all the framing off the outside, framing off the inside. Got the curtains down. We got then we got every window out until we had this gaping huge hole, huge hole. I mean, it's got to be at least as big as this. You know, it was a monster. And of course, then of course the weather changed and the weather's starting to come in. And I got to get this preparation work. So, so then anyway, they they give me. So I sent all the windows away and they fixed up all the sills on the bottom. They sent them back and then, but they all had long sills on them. And I had to all the prep. I had to get all the angles right. I had to cut them all. My goodness, I tell you something. There was a lot of work went into the preparation. And when that painter come around, I'd done all the preparation, and that whole window was able to be done. And it was from it just came up beautifully. Now. Imagine what happened if we hadn't actually done the preparation. The dry rot inside there, you know, the next lot of people down, you'd put your finger on it, it goes in, it down this, oh, you know, and kids always do that, you know, a little bit of stuff missing, they poke, and then, then you got all this wood. But you know, it's in the preparation. Everything's in the preparation. So I wonder what preparation, how many, let me just ask you this question. How many of you believe you have a call of God on your life? There's a few people here right now. Let me ask you this. What are you doing today to prepare for that call to be fulfilled? Come on, what are you doing today? Let's have a look in the Bible. I want to see some things here. Let's have a look in here. Okay, Acts chapter 26. Notice here, we pick it up where we started this morning. Now, Paul, Paul, Paul of course, is, he's mad in his mind. You know, and he's killing the Christians. He's he's torturing the Christians, and uh, he's like every religious fanatic. He's fighting against the real thing, thinking he's doing God a favor. And that's what religious fanatics do. They fight, destroy the goodness, in order they can prove that they're right. You see, and he's doing all of this. And one day God just gets in his way. Now this is amazing. This ought to give you hope. A man who's a murderer, a man who's tortured Christians, a man who's put him in prison, and all kinds of stuff like that. And God's willing to raise him up and use him. Man, if God can use someone like that, He can use you. If God can do something in his life, he can do something in your life. You're not pastor. There's nothing too much in your... Man, you're easy stuff compared to Paul. 
You've got to be easy compared to Paul. And he's full of stuff, full of religion, full of, full of prejudice, full of strong mindsets. Say, but God could use him, he can use you. Why not? So God encounters him, he gets knocked off his horse, and he uh, sees this bright light, you know, which we get that expression, I saw the light. He saw the light. Ah! And God speaks to him. And in the midst of it, God speaks to him and says, stand up. Get up there, Paul. He said, notice this. He said, I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness of these things you have seen and the things which I have appeared to you in. So in other words, you notice this? He says, I have appeared to you. I'm going to appear to you again and again and again. You're going to have heaps of encounters with me. He said, but each encounter is designed to develop an aspect of the mission in your life. I got a purpose for you. He said, I will appear to you for this purpose that I may send you to the Gentiles, that I might make you, we saw that this morning, make you a servant, make you my servant, a minister, and a witness. And we saw that word minister was the bottom, the, the, the guy who was at the bottom of the galley, the lowest oarsman, and we saw that word uh, witness meant a martyr. So what God says is, the more revelation I give you, the more you're going to find a journey down in serving. Isn't that interesting, eh? All those who love lots of revelation, remember that. It results in a journey that serving. More and more serving, more and more serving. Greater the revelation, the more the serving, or you get filled with pride. And so Paul said, yeah, get what? So Paul had so much revelation, God allowed the devil to push him around a bit and annoy him a bit, just so he'd keep humble and dependent on God. How about that? How would you like that? Every town you went in to preach the gospel, you're full of this revelation and you get there, and all they want to do is riot and stone you to death. So you can learn to lean on God. That's good stuff, isn't it? Eh? Is that good stuff? Some of you are not too sure about that. Eh? You hope you're able to handle it. Well, there is a reason he could handle all that kind of stuff, you know. Okay, so notice here, he said, God wanted to make him a minister, and then now I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. So we find there that Paul is raised up. He has an encounter with God, and immediately out of that encounter, he begins to preach the gospel. He just does it immediately. But he has a season where God prepares him. I think it's about 13 years where he was in a place of preparation. Now, I notice, want you to see something in Acts chapter 13. First couple of voices, uh, verses. Uh, here it is, Acts chapter 13. 13. And there it is. And it says in verse 1, there were certain that church in Antioch, certain prophets, teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called the black fella, Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work where I have called them. And when they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them out. And they were sent by the Holy Ghost. Now, what you've got to see here is he had a call for many years. God had visited him. God had spoken to him. But there was a period of preparation between when God's call came on his life and when he was fully released into that call. Now what happens is we get a prophetic word or we get something comes to our life. We, get, we feel God touch our life and immediately want to run around and do everything. But God wants you to prepare for the things that he's called you to do. How many people here believe God called them to preach the word of God? Come on, how many people? It must be one or two. Okay, then what are you doing to prepare for that? What are you doing to prepare in your personal life? What are you doing to prepare in your knowledge of the Word of God? If you're not doing anything to prepare, you are wasting the season of preparation. I want to share with you some principles of preparation. Now, this works out everywhere in life. It doesn't make pre preparation is essential to success in every part of life. I was just uh, watching briefly uh, just, the, uh, just a film about Ike and the preparations for D-Day. You can't believe how thorough they were. Unbelievable detailed preparations. They had 
thousands of aircraft, thousands of troops, hundreds and hundreds of ships, and they had to prepare for this massive invasion in Normandy. Unbelievable preparation, unbelievable attention to detail, and it was in the preparation. If they had failed in their preparation, they would have failed in the invasion, and it would have altered history forever. One man, the man that was chosen to lead this, uh, his, this man was a man of, an, of detail, thorough detail. He prepared every detail. And the success in Normandy is uh, very much uh, due to Eisenhower's thorough preparation, attention to every detail. What the sand would be like on the shore when they landed, how deep the water was, what the tides would be like, what time the tides would be at the certain level, how, much, how were they going to get the troops ashore, how would they distract the enemy so the enemy would be occupied somewhere else and wouldn't be focused on the shore, what kind of numbers of troop losses they could expect, how much when they sent the paratroopers in, how far do they send them in, uh, that, that they can distract the enemy, how many are likely to be lost, can you stand that loss? It just went on and on. All the details have had to, of the preparation. Now, we know when we look back in history, we just see all oh, as a great thing happened. June the 6th, 1944, D-Day, the Allies landed in Normandy. But listen, there was immense preparation for that one historic event. And not only that, there was immense preparation when play, took place in his life to prepare him to be the leader for that event. You see, if you want to become something in your life, you have to go through the process of preparation. There are no shortcuts, no shortcut anywhere, not even shortcuts with God. I love the miraculous, but never be deceived. The miracles come and miracles go, but it's the undergirding life of faith that sustains you to the other end. You've got to have a walk with God. And you've got to not be impressed by the miracles or impressed by people. You have to be impressed by God and His Word. And so we want to just anchor. I want to share with you a few principles. They're very simple things. Everything that God is really simple. It's complicated. I'm always a bit worried whether the guy is telling me about it's got it right. Most of the things with God are quite simple. And the reason they're simple is so ordinary simple folk can get it. Don't have to be a university graduate to get God stuff. Sow and reap. Simple. You know? So love, you get love. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Husbands, love your wives. That's simple. You don't have to go to university to learn that one. Except you've got it's a whole, whole of life to learn how to do it. But nevertheless, you, it's not have to be too smart, you know. And there's a whole heap of stuff in the Bible. It's all very, very simple. You know, don't lie. Tell the truth. It's pretty simple, isn't it? You know, most of what's in the Bible is really simple. So don't worry about the heavy stuff. Just get focused on doing the stuff you do know to do. Okay, all right. Here's the thing. Number one, God scheduled your time. You've got to prepare for the moment. God has appointed the time that you're released to certain things or opportunities will come to you. You've got to prepare for the moment. It's your responsibility to prepare your life for what God has called you to be and to do. So when God begins to speak to us, he wants to do things through it, immediately there, we need to understand there's a timing when it begins to outwork and God has set the time. So if this whole, suppose this is your life. Here's your life here. Here it is. It begins here and you run into the world and there you are. Whack! Oh! Oh! Ah! And there you've arrived. Okay? And so now it works out. And you've got your early years and your schoolhood years. And then you're up there into teens. And now you're starting to go up. Get to 20. Oh, some of you there now. 20 through to 30. Through to 40. Through to 50. Uh-oh. Through to 60. Oh, I'm here. Okay, through to 70. Through to 80. And there it is, your life. And then it's all eternity stretching out as far as you could see. That's your life. And somewhere God has appointed breakthroughs. Somewhere God has appointed for certain things, opportunities to come to your life. Now listen, when opportunity comes, you've got to be ready. And if you're ready, it's the one who's ready that gets the breakthroughs. 
I saw it the other day with a guy, Gerald Bradley, who I'd known for many years, an OAC open-air campaigner man, and uh, he lost his wife, very tragic, she died of cancer, and uh, anyway, he eventually got over the grief, he did the, he did the groundwork, got rid of the pain, dealt with the grief, remarried, and then he began to prepare, he felt God calling him to do something different, he felt God calling him to the field of motivation, leadership motivation, business motivation, and so he began to study and prepare, and he now probably has about a hundred different courses of different kinds, and his uh, presentation of these is so outstanding, these become in demand all throughout the world. In fact, he's one of, he, he, I was talking to him the other day, and he said this, he said, I have now got about 25 seminars scheduled in the Arab countries, some of them even involving the royal family in Arab countries, of people wanting to have my Christian-based material and wanting to be exposed to what I know that will bring success for them and success in their companies and their industries and in their nation. He said, they are asking for God's principles to put in their education. And he said, I got it, and I got it in a package, and I can deliver it. How about that? But you see, what you didn't see were the hundreds of hours of preparation that went in to have it already. And when the opportunity came, he was ready. When your moments come, will you be ready? What would you have done to make yourself ready? See, in, in Ecclesiastes 3, 1, it says, To everything there's a time and a season, time for every purpose under heaven. If you're not, you're prepared, you won't be ready. You won't be ready when your time comes, you won't be able to do what you're called to do. So think about it. You know what will happen? Your opportunity will go to someone who's ready. Just like that. Don't, don't act like a victim in life. We've got to actually prepare. This is only one. We only get one go at life. It's our job to prepare for it. It's our job to do what we can. Here's another one. Don't wait for circumstances to change. Pursue personal change. Don't wait for the circumstances. Pursue personal change. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, it says, Don't follow what the crowd do. Begin to actually apply yourself to renewing how you think, your attitudes, the way you think. Think from God's perspective. Why is that? It's very, very simple because you'll then prove or you'll outwork the will of God in your life. So get this, a lot of people I know are waiting, they're waiting for the, the lucky break. They've got what I call the, the lotto mentality of life. You know what the lotto mentality is? The lotto mentality is this, you buy a ticket and one day you're going to get the win. One day. So we go up, everyone, they all do the same. Does anyone buy a lotto ticket that doesn't think, maybe? You know, 20 years later they're paying thousands of dollars out, well, they get it with, the, with, the, with the, the, the machines. I went into a casino when I was on a ship. Have a look what goes on there. And I watched these people. I couldn't believe it. I just stood there watching, laughing, you know. And there they are. They've got a machine. Put some more money. And they're sitting waiting. And they're, they're sort of stuck with the machine. And you know what? They're waiting for the big one. They're waiting for the luck. They're waiting for something to turn up for them. You know, a lot of people live their life, their whole life like that, waiting for the big break. Now listen, often when people become a Christian, they're waiting for the a big breakthrough with God. And they begin to get a lotto mentality. What I call the Christian miracle lotto mentality. Just wait till one day. Hey, forget it. What are you doing today? Get on with today. You get a miracle tomorrow, wonderful. But today's the day you've got to live. Today, do something with your life. Today, do something to prepare. Don't live with a miracle lotto mentality. I see people all around the world like that. And they're waiting for some big thing to happen. I say, it's under you. Do, use what you have and do the best you can right now. And if this miracle's come on the way, how wonderful. They're the icing on the cake. But make the cake in the meantime. 
get making the cake. Some of you aren't making the cake. You just want our icing, and the icing hasn't come yet. Come on, come on. Don't get that, that, that sort of lotto mentality of life. Losers have a lot of mentality. You know what? When, 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 when the economy goes down, guess what? The gambling increases. Because everyone gets this thing, my only way is to get the break, get the lucky break. But the Bible doesn't say, you know, without luck it's impossible to please God. The Bible says without faith we can't please Him. We must believe and stand on His word. There's a preparation work that's got to take place in our lives. And uh, we only see people, we see the musician that's up on the stage, we don't see them preparing. We see God or hear God working through someone, we don't see what preparation took place and no one saw. We see and hear of great things happening, we'd have no idea what went on behind it to prepare that person. What is going on in your life now to prepare you for things that God has planned for you? See, God's always thinking. You know, I know the thoughts I have for you. Jeremiah, it tells us in 29.11, it says, I know I'm thinking good things. You might look forward to the future. But listen, the good things come to pass to those who are prepared. We have to be prepared. We have to work on our life. So don't wait for circumstances to get better. It says, he, the one that watches the circumstances will never sow. The Bible says, just scatter. You never know which one's going to work. So you be kind to every person. You never know which one's going to respond. You reach out to every person. You never know which one is going to actually turn to Christ. You just don't have a no. You don't know. You just can't. But if you keep withholding in life, waiting for the big break, it never comes. It never happens. It's a loser mentality. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't give break breakthroughs. He does. But as you'll notice, when you look through the Bible, the men who had great breakthroughs had great preparation. Without exception great preparation. Try and find someone in the Bible who didn't have great preparation. Just try and find them. There's always preparation before great breakthrough. Always preparation. So we have to prepare. Don't wait for circumstances to be good. Just go for it now. Start to do the best you can. Here's the second thing. Choose short-term denial over long-term benefits. Uh, uh, choose short-term denial that you might get long-term benefits. In Matthew chapter 16 verse 24, Jesus said, if you follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Okay, here's one of the biggest problems. Young people, you've got to know this. The world out there wants to get you into bondage. There is a God behind that world. It's determined, and I tell you what, he has practiced many ways to get you into bondage. Here's one of the simplest ways, higher purchase. Credit cards. Oh, you can have a credit card. You can have one even while you're still at school. Once you've got that, we've got you. Understand? These things bring bondage to people. There's a place for them, but you're best to live without debt, what the Bible says. Don't owe anyone anyone, anything. Live without debt. Practice that. Except if it's a creative kind of debt where you know you've got an investment that's growing, there's a different thing about investments to debt. But you've got to see that the world has got a way to get a hold of people. I've talked to people and said, don't do this because if you do it, you've mortgaged your future. When God wants you to step up and do something, you can't. And they did it. They actually bought all this stuff, mortgaged themselves up to the eyeballs, and then there was a little change in circumstances, and they nearly lost everything. But the one thing they couldn't do was when God was giving us as a church an opportunity to do something, they couldn't say yes. They'd already said yes to something else. See? Yes to the short term, and lost out in the long term. See, there's a lot of things you've just got to say no to in the short term that you can have a long-term gain. And one of the difficulties today's generation has, they want it all and they want it now. Remember that song, I want it all I want it now. You know? Well, that's actually the spirit of the age. I want it all and I want it now. You know, with drugs, there's some drug, you get hooked to it, you take one of them and you're done. You're hooked for the rest of your life. And you can't live much past the moment. 
it affects the way your brain's wired so badly, you, you, you virtually can't live properly the way God designed you to live. Well, think about this. So don't, don't go for the quick now. Go for the long term. Go for the long term. So and you won't go for the long term unless you've got a vision to prepare your life. You're a man or woman of God. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You're not here just for the short term. You're here for something long term. So short, choose short term denial. Say no. Say no. Say no. There's some things you've got to say no to. Say no to drugs. No. 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 i got something more. i got something I'm addicted to. Oh, this is the high stuff, mate. Come on. Just get aggressive and assertive in your attitude. Don't get intimidated by that thing. Don't be drawn into the crowd. Why would you be drawn into the crowd and ruin your life? Why do you let the crowd steal your life? Don't do it. Don't, you're better than that. You're better than that. And remember who you are. You're a woman of God. You're a man of God. You're better than that. And you've got something you're going to do with your life. So you're not going to go down that track. You're not on the same plan as everyone else. You're on God's plan. And greatness is in your heart. And you're going to prepare for your moment of greatness. You're not going to squander it and spend it now until there's nothing left. Terrible thing to do. Okay, here's it. Deal with yesterday's pain so you can fulfill tomorrow's challenge. You've got to deal with pain. Philippians 3.13 says this. There's one thing I do. This one thing I do. Forgetting the things that are behind. Forgetting the things that are behind. Reaching forth the things that are before. I press towards the mark for the high calling of God on my life. Now that's Paul. What a great thing. You notice you could, yeah, I encourage you to get the, get the verses out. Go through it. Go through it and read. He said, this one thing I do. Forgetting the things that are behind. Now listen, we've got a lot of stuff behind us. Paul had a lot. How do you imagine it is, it's like to be a preacher, preaching the gospel? And every night when you go to sleep, you see the faces of the people and you were the one who got them killed. You see the faces of the people, you, you were there when they were being tortured. You were saying, dude, screw it on a little harder, harder, more pain, more pain, more pain. That's what he had to get over. He had to get over being personally present when Christians were tortured so badly and so severely that many of them began to curse God. That's Paul. He had a few things to get over. You think he got a few things to go? He had a heap of stuff to get over. A heap of stuff to get over. And you've got it. Now he said, now he said, forgetting the things are behind. You can't just put them in the back of your memory and hope they'll all go away. You've actually got to process it. You've got to deal with it. I mean, you know, if we would ask you, who's the person who's influenced you most in your life? And if you start to really reflect on it, you'll probably find the person who hurt you the most in the, in the, in the course of your life has actually had the greatest influence. Because what happens then is, if you don't resolve the hurt, you begin then to avoid everything like that and will react to anything that reminds you of it. That's why we've been dealing with the young people just the last, recently, we were speaking in about the whole year, just dealing with issues of broken families, and particularly the honoring of father and the honoring of mother, that it might go well for you. Now, a lot of young people have got real pain in this area. Deal with it. Deal with it deal with it or you'll carry it on into the future it'll ruin your future if you want to prepare for your future god says very simply honor your father and mother that it may go well for you so you don't want it to go well for you don't worry about that stuff just leave it behind but if you want it to go well for you do your homework get to deal with the past get to deal with the pain get to deal with what's messed your life up get to deal with what's caused you to be afraid or to be wounded or be offended or bitter or twisted on the inside get to deal with it don't just put it aside. Don't pretend it's, it's, like the, it's like a rust. It'll just keep breaking out on your life. Just resolve it. So we had three weeks, young people. God was talking about attitudes to your father, attitudes to your mother. If you've got anything negative in there, you should be well on the track to processing all of that because I gave you a lot of help how to do it. If you didn't, you're foolish. Plum foolish because God was trying to get your attention and you wouldn't listen. 
But if you start to do something, I know there are some, I know there are several of you, and you've already been there, and you got down, you start to remember what happened, you remember how hurt you were, you start to write it out, you begin to process your anger, you begin to bring it to the Lord, you get over the stuff, now you're starting to pray for your dad and honor your dad and pray for your mom and honor your mom. You know, life's going to change significantly. I had one person come up to me, and uh, they said to me, I couldn't believe it would affect my life so much. And they got to deal with the issue, and then they realized it affected their work, it affected marriage, it affected their family. It affected everything. So process your pain. Get to deal with the past. Get to deal with stuff. If you've got stuff, baggage, get into a course, get to deal with it. But don't carry it through life, or when your moment comes, you won't be ready. You'll blow up. You see, you think about this. A lot of young people, they're waiting to get the right marriage partner. Wrong goal. Because you've got little choice over that one until one comes along. What you have got choice over is preparing to be the right person. Now that you've got total control over. You need to be a great woman of God. You need to be a great man of God. You need to have no baggage to take into a marriage. You know, when we, when we have to prepare people for marriage, first thing we do is look what kind of baggage you've got. We look for it in two areas primarily. One is in the area of their relationship with their parents. Got a bad deal with parents? Okay, bad future ahead. Better do something before you get married. You don't, it'll blow up when you are married. Then you have a bigger pain. It'll be right in your face every night when you go to bed. Come on. And then the second thing is, previous sexual relationships or abuse of any kind, if you've had issues in that area, get to sort it out quick. It's going to be a problem for you. Go on, this is, this is just smart. And yet all people can think of doing is getting ready for the, the wedding. They want to plan this thing and it's so beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, you get married on one day, you've got to live with the person for the rest of your life. Believe me, get to deal with the stuff. Well, it'll be worked out every day. A little bit of pain, a little bit of pain, a little bit of... Ah! Come on, don't go there. Just deal with the stuff. Better still, don't get in there. See, think about this. How many, how many are really looking forward to a great marriage? Eh? How many are looking forward to a great marriage? See, not many young people here. Eh? There's a handful over there at the back. You know, the others. But how many people are fearful of entering into a marriage? Come on, be honest now. People are fearful, uncertain, yeah. See, most people are uncertain. There's a whole handful don't know what. And they didn't put their hand up at all. Come on. Come on. You're just sitting there. You... Come on. See? See, if you're wanting something good to go in your life ahead, prepare for it. Make the decisions. You'll do what's needed to prepare for it. Why should you carry on baggage for the rest of your life? Now, listen, you may, may God may call you to be single. Well, wonderful. That's wonderful. You can just serve the Lord, be passionate. You know, Jessica's single. Boy, you want to see the hours she does. And I get up and half past two in the morning, she's up there working. I can't believe it. You know, you can't do all that sort of stuff when you're married. You've got family and stuff to look up. She just serves the Lord for hours and hours and hours. Just amazing. See, so deal with the stuff. Deal with the stuff. Tell somebody next to you, deal with your stuff. Get on to it. Get on to it before it blows up everything around you. Okay, here's another one. Okay, here's another one. Live by the Word of God, by its principles, not by your feelings. Live by the Word of God. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus said, If you hear my word and do them, you'll be stable in your life. When a storm comes, you've got stability. Storm blows, you're still standing. Storm blows, no matter what comes, blood, storm, anything, you've got some stability in you. Now, listen, young people, you can't just live out of your feelings. I know what teenagers' feelings are like. It's like manic depressive, you know. So my lights fall over. Yay! Oh, my friends rang. Hey, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they did. You know, and it's so, you know, within an hour, it's up and down, up and down. Listen, that kind of stuff. You can't live your life that way. You got to live with the Word of God. You need to study the Word of God. Make decisions based on what God says. Build on a foundation. 
get the Bible. Read the Bible every day. Get up every day when you get up. Make it your habit. Get that word out. Read what God has to say. Do what God has to say. Man, I had to line one up just recently. Said, just, just do what God says. In fact, actually, do what I'm telling you. It's as good as the same. Because God been telling you that for the last three years. You didn't do it then. Here I am in your face now. Just do it. Immediately this change. Immediate change. Because God's word works. Just start to do what it says. You'll see the blessings of it. You've got to learn to live by that and not by the feelings. See, sometimes we have great experiences. And sometimes we have great pits. Anyone here been in the great pits? The dark night. I don't know whether I'm saved. Well, I've had that as a pastor, believe it or not. You don't believe it because you see me up here on Sundays. But that's on Sundays. You haven't seen me the other day. You haven't seen the dark caves that I've sometimes got into where you wonder you'd ever get out. When God isn't answering and everyone's yelling. Those are dark caves. You think, how did I get here? I never wanted to be here. It's your fault. You tricked me. If I'd known this, I'd never have said yes. I guess they did that with, I mean, I mean, if you were joining Paul's missionary trips, you know, it was great. We had the PowerPoint up. We prayed for everyone to go out. Isn't that wonderful? You know, when Paul went out on one, they get on a ship and three times it sank. Now, here's a question. How come God didn't tell him which boat to get on? Well, you know, you're telling you're such a man of faith, you can't even catch the right boat. What the heck's wrong with you? And imagine day and a night floundering out there holding on to a piece of boat. What would you be saying to God? I could just imagine it. You see, but his his life was built on principle, built on the Word. See? Build it on the Word of God. The Word of God says. The Word of God says. The Word of God says. Now listen. Here's Here's another thing about preparation. If you will act on what the known will of God is, He'll share with you a lot of the things you don't know yet. If you'll act on his known will, which is found in the Word of God, he'll share with you lots of things which you don't know. The unknown will of God. See, the unknown will of God is when God speaks by revelation. He speaks into your heart what he wants you to do. You've got to build a foundation of acting on what you do know to do. You had a lot of decisions in life. If you knew what God said in in the Bible and just did it, you wouldn't even have to pray about some matters. You wouldn't even have to pray about some matters because you already decided what you're going to do. See, I've built my life on a principle... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. That's pretty clear. Just put God first, put his kingdom and his interest first, and everything else you need in life will actually come in. God will add it into you. So everyone else struggles to pull it in, and I get it added in. That's not bad, is it? Now, that's a good principle to live by. But it requires that whenever you come to a decision, you just put God and his word and his interest first. That's all. Now, when you start to do that, there's an awful lot of stuff just drops by the wayside. You don't even pray about it. Should I go in with that crowd, go to the party? No, God first, kingdom of God first. No, it's not going to help. Should I get on to drinking? No, kingdom of God first. Mm-hmm. See, there's, all, there's almost all these other decisions. Once you make one, some good ones on the word, you don't have to make the other ones. And when God sees you're acting on what he's written, he'll tell you a lot of things that he hasn't written. He'll tell you a lot of things he hasn't written. Because the written word is the doorway into the realm of the supernatural. And the written word is what builds faith in our life. But if we don't act, God watches, see whether we act on it. 
This is the answer. You need to know what God says. You need to have your Bible. You need to mark your Bible. You need to go through your Bible. And you want to be a great man or great woman of God? Find out what God says and then start to speak it, agree with it, pray it over your life, begin to act on it. You know what? God's watching. Ooh, I like that one. I like that one. Ooh, I know. I'll just drop a few things in that no one else has. Everyone looks around and says, Ooh, how come you got all that? How come God bless you like that? I just did what he said, you know, while you were just doing something else. I was up there reading what God said and did it. And while I was up there reading God's word and doing God's word, you were filling your time watching television, listening to some iPod thing and kind of thing, head wagging. Now listen, you know, it's no wonder your head's, you don't know what's going on in there. Because you, you, you need to kind of get the word of God in your head. You know, it'll stabilize your head. Stabilize you, get you right in life. Okay, I'll give you a couple more, then, we, then we'll finish up. Here's another one. Hey, recognize that testing precedes promotion. Testing always comes before God lifts you up. Now, by that I mean that God's going to see what you're made of. God's going to see what you're made of. Matthew 4, 1, Jesus full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I've got a great encounter. You just wouldn't believe it, fellas. The heavens opened, the Holy Ghost came on, even people saw. Oh, it's greatest encounter. So he listens to what God says. God says, wilderness for you. But I don't want to go to the wilderness. Is there any way to bypass the wilderness so we can straight to the miracles and the glory? Nope. Sorry. No shortcuts. No shortcut for Jesus. Get this. No shortcut for you. There's no shortcut for you. You think you're going to need a shortcut? You think you won't go through tests? Oh, get over it. Come on. You're going to have heaps of them. And God's watching. Listen, you never know which test precedes your greatest promotion. Because God never tells you, never comes up and says, Benjamin, I've got this great test coming down the road. It'll be on Wednesday next week at four o'clock. And, but after that, if you can just get through that right, you know what's going to happen to you? Man, there's all this blessing coming. Here's a whole list of things going to come to your life. So, ooh, I know, it's four o'clock Wednesday. So, okay, four o'clock, here it is. I know what to do. See, but it doesn't happen that way. You know, what happens is God never announces it. It just comes unexpected. It comes when you don't expect it. It comes when you don't want it. It comes when you're at your lowest point. It comes in a way that you hate. It comes in a way that just makes you wonder whether God is even around. You begin to doubt whether you're even saved. In fact, all hell seems to come around your life. And you don't know that all heaven's sort of all watching. You got your great moment and you blew it. So round the mountain you go again and there it is. Same issue again. New, new package, same deal. Come on. God's wanting to promote us, but you can't promote someone who actually hasn't been proven or tested at one level. In the realm of the Spirit, you have to be tested before you can go another level. And actually it works in life too. You never promote an idiot. You just watch them. You see what they do. You know what well, is true? I mean, anyone who's an employer, they look around, you know. Some guy thinks that the boss owes him a living. What, what? Come on, get off it. Go out and get on the doll then. You know, you know the boss doesn't owe you a living. You go there and make it work for the boss. and make it, yeah, He's the one who can promote you, you know. So you find out what he wants done and you do it. And you don't even know when he's watching you. He's watching you. He's watching two things. One, what you do, and two, your attitude you do it in. Mostly your attitude. Because he finds a person with a good attitude and he can actually do the job. And he's looking. He's too good to leave there. I've got to bring him up. That's how it works. It works in life that way. Can't? Now, if it works in life, and the, and the secular world have discovered it, it's in the Word of God. Christians need to get on board and start to get this thing figured out. See, so God's, have a look at David. Now, look, David's, David's worst pit 
Now, we, could, we should have a time. We can get around and fellowship at coffee and tell of the worst hole that you ever got in, how God got you out. You need to give that bit because it would be a bit dis- despairing otherwise, wouldn't it? Eh? But the worst hole you ever got into and how God dug you out of it. But think about David. David has got a call of God on his life. He's slain the giant. He's had the fame. He's had the people singing songs of all. The girls are singing songs about him. Oh. He's really into it, you know. He's famous. And the next thing, it all turns to custard. And so for about, you know, all these years, he's now hounded down. There's a, you know, there's an APB out for him, you know, everywhere. There's a sign up there, you know, wanted, dead or alive, preferably dead. You know, find David, bring him in, and you get rewarded, you know. And uh, anyone David mixes with, these are his friends, they get killed, you know. So he's got no friends. And he's got this ragtag bunch of losers that hang out with him, and he's got to do something with them. Says all, they were all in debt and distressed and demented people. They were just a bad lot. You know, they were the refuge. They were the, they were the ones who were running away from home. They were the ones who were, they were the street people of their day, and they're all David's mates. And he's got to lead them and make them into something. So he leads them, forms a great army out of them because he's got the anointing of the Holy Ghost, got a good spirit, good attitude. And then God starts to send some tests to him. He sends him an authority test. So there's David. He's hounded down by Saul. Saul's given his wife over to some uh, to some other man. And you can imagine lying there on a hard cave at night time or on a hard ground looking up and you're thinking I could be home in a nice warm bed I could be with my nice wife come on this is what he would have gone through thinking about his wife with someone else you think that's Saul and then finally he's hiding out in the cave one day and Saul comes in to go to the toilet and everyone gathers around Dave and says Dave oh even God's handed him up he's dished him up on a plate for you David goes over and he doesn't decide to kill him. He just takes a bit off his garment. And then his heart smote him. He realized, actually, I'm violating a principle of God. And if God is going to raise me up, Saul can't do anything about that. God will deal with him. I'm not, he's not my responsibility. He's over me. He's not my responsibility. He's God's responsibility. And so he passed the test. He wouldn't let anyone else violate it either. Twice he was given that test. Twice one at both times and then God sent him another test he goes back to his village and everyone's gone and, and the village is burning and smoking he's just been out won a battle coming back and he's looking for a night with his family he's looking for a good meal nice rest for the night comes back and sees the smoke rising up go into the city and the city's been ripped apart sm- everything's smoking gutted everything of value is gone his wife's gone his kids are gone everyone's wife gone everyone's kids gone and now the mighty men who went out great let's do a battle come on let's go out and conquer you know like the guys in the wrestling oh, we could do it man. you know now they're all thinking David kill him that's what they were thinking they wanted to kill him what do you do when all the world has forsaken you and it looks like God has too you go alone there what are you going to do I tell you what you'll do you'll do what you've trained yourself to do every day of your life if you've trained yourself to meet with God and share your heart with God that's what you'll do but if you haven't then you'll be looking for plan B the way it's discipline, it's a discipline it's a discipline to do the things that need to be done setting priorities in your life, maintaining a focus on God, and so that day he did what he'd always done, he got alone with God and said God, my life is in your hands completely he began to remember when God had given him great victories he began to remember when God had helped him through so many things, he began to remember the words of God 
his faith began to rise. He began to worship God, even despite the fact he didn't feel like it. You know, it wasn't like a lot of people in New Zealand, you know, they've had a bad week and they come in. Praise the Lord, they've got to be pumped up. Come on, some, some, some poor song leader's working there like a windmill. <laughs> Trying to get everyone going. Listen, none of that. He, he just went straight into God encouraged himself in the Lord and then when he encouraged himself in the Lord he heard God speak and God said this is the strategy pursue overtake and you'll restore you'll recover all he said the guys guys I've heard from God stop whinging get your swords on we're going out there we've got business to do God said we're going to get the lot and we'll get it all back so let him out out to the battle now they've got it all back they got a double portion. They got all the other stuff they've been cleaning up from everywhere else too. So, so notice this. And then almost within the next chapter of the Bible, in a very short time, he is recognized and set in as the king of Israel. Now get this. You read the Bible. I read the Bible. We see, oh, look, he become the king. What well, we didn't see, him in the valley. We didn't see him when all his world had fallen apart and there's no one around and there's a test. And God's saying, oh, I hope he does it. I hope he does it. See, you never know when your moment of promotion in life is coming. See, promotion comes from the Lord, but it happens through the hands of people. See, and people are watching you all the time. Are you someone worth promoting? When no one's around, you still work hard. When no one's looking, you still turn up on time. And you work the whole day, and you put a good day in. And when they need, when the boss needs a bit extra put in, you do it without complaining. You've got a great attitude. You never let anyone run the boss down. You never let anyone run down people around you. You've got a great attitude. And God's watching all of that. He's just ticking off his list. Great attitude. Serving. Punctual. I wonder what's been ticked off on your list. Faith. Prayer. Consistency. Yes. Praise. Wow. Ready for promotion. And then suddenly, door opens and you're promoted. No one knows how it happened. I don't know why they deserve that. They get all the breaks, you know. No, no. <laughs> that's a typical whingy Kiwi sort of thing. Thinking, you know. Come on, that's a loser's lament, you know. Get on, get on, boy. How come they got it and I never did, you know? Listen, get over all of that. Start to think. I'm going to make my life count. I'm going to do all the preparation needed that when my moments in life come. I am ready for them. When, they need, when God needs me, someone needs me, I can stand up and say I'm ready. Don't wait till you're out there to preach a few messages. Get a whole heap of them ready now. Don't wait to become excellent when you're out there. Become excellent now. Don't wait to serve when you're out there. You'll never serve in the big things if you can't serve in the little things. Any boss in the world knows that. If you can't be trusted in a little job, you'll never be any use of the big things. You can't be trusted even turn up on the door and do whatever needs to be done. How can you be trusted with some great ministry? You can't be trusted with the simple little things. You know, all the time, someone's watching you, especially God, and God's looking to see if he can lift you up to the next level. And you know, you can have all the prophecies and all the dreams and things in the world, but anyone who's ever done anything in life understands this. Thorough preparation is what brings it about. You can have the call, the dream, the vision. You can have some prophetic word. But at the end of the day, you can have a great encounter with God. But at the end of the day, you've got to work that out. You've got to walk that out day by day, changing, day by day, applying things. Make every day a day you prepare for your future. And what will happen is when other people, when other people are wondering how you did it, 
you've already been chosen and you're moving ahead. Today's the day. What are you doing to prepare for your tomorrow? What are you doing to prepare for your tomorrow? See, the first thing you could do would be to join to Christ and then have an eternal tomorrow. Let me give you one last principle, a very, very important one. You must focus on what God called you to do. One of the greatest things to preparation in life, most people fail because they just don't focus. They just don't focus. Today, oh, it's a good idea. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Then tomorrow something else comes. Oh, yeah, let's do that. You know, and then before you know it, they're all over the place. Hey, focus your life. Sit down and work out with God what it is you really want to do. Think it through. Write it down. Once you've got it written down, keep doing it every day. Write it up on your, write it up on your, on, on your bedroom. Right? right up in the mirror, in the bathroom. So when you go in there, you see what you've got to do. This is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. Write it up there. Write it up there. Right. Every day you look at this is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. This is the one thing I'm doing. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. The day will come when you've done it and everyone else doesn't know how you did it. You've just done it because you stay focused. The reason most people fail is they can't focus on one thing. They're just all over the place. Are you all over the place? Are you all over the place? You know what? You know, I'll be talking to some of the youth leaders about some things. One of the things I'll tell them is this. Focus on people who mean business. Don't focus on people who are unreliable. About that, that's biblical, you know. Very biblical. Impart to faithful people. How's a person show themselves faithful? Well, you just watch them and see them, and they're faithful in a few things, and then they deserve to be given more. I think to a leader, why would you pour your life into someone who's unfaithful, doesn't appreciate what you've done for them, won't respond to the help you're giving them? You know what? Don't put it in there. Put it in where it counts. Put it into someone who's really going to respond, really values you, value what you have, and responds to you. Why? It's simple. They're doing the work to prepare their future. The other one isn't. Real clear. It's biblical to do that. God does it. Why shouldn't we? It just seems like it's so unfair that it's biblical. So, preparing for the future. What are you doing to prepare?